Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Travel and Transformation Show with me, your host, Sophia, and my guest today, Brittany Roberts. So Brittany is a full-time travel creator, and she realizes that not everyone can just quit their jobs, sell everything they have, and then move abroad. Because I know, you know, we hear so much about people doing that. It's like, I'm a digital nomad and I just sold everything and I left. And while maybe a lot of us dream about doing that, everybody can't do that. (laughs) So welcome, Brittany. And please tell us about your journey to becoming a full-time travel creator and, and where you started. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Like travel and transformation, I feel like go together so well, like PB&J. So this is perfect. Love to be here. Um, So my story, I actually started the travel influencing content creation thing the first year I became a teacher because as if that change wasn't enough. So I lived and taught on a reservation for five years. And when I say reservation, I mean tribal lands, indigenous lands, United States. So I lived on the uh, Fort Apache Indian Reservation, which serves a White Mountain Apache tribe in Northern Arizona. And that was already a lot, right? I went from urban Phoenix to really rural indigenous culture Apache. Okay. So wait, can I just stop yeah. you right there for a second? Yeah. What made you decide to do that? Good question. couple things. So one thing was my grandmother's actually was indigenous. She was a member of the Shawnee tribe. She's the one who raised me. And I am obviously, you can probably hear it in my voice. You can see it if you're watching video. I am white visually, right? And by culture, I am too. So I felt like I had this disconnect, right? I had something on my periphery my whole life, but I didn't really ever get to connect with that. Mm. And it almost felt like it was not welcome to me or a part of really who I was or could be because I was like, well, I don't look like it. And I wasn't really exposed to all of that. And because of when she was born, she was born in 1943. She was born to a white mom and a Shawnee uh, dad. And that was very much a no-no. You couldn't have interracial marriage back then. So Mm. long story short, he ended up going back to Oklahoma. She moved her out to Los Angeles, where it was a little more accepted, right? So our family's all from Southern California now. And so when she died, I honestly, my whole world was rocked. That was in 2016. I had been working at a nonprofit in Phoenix. I was working 80 plus hours a week and all my priorities just changed overnight. I said, I'm done. I want to get to know my family that I didn't get to know growing up because I wasn't raised by mom or my dad. I realized life was too short to be working all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had accumulated so much time off that my HR actually came up to me and said, Hey, we know that you're grieving. You have time, you know, off. So make, take it right. And so I was like, okay, I took that. And actually just before that, two months before I had gone on a three and a half week trip. So that mm-hmm. shows you how much time I saved up three and a half trip. Wow. Three and a half week, yeah. Three and a half trip to, um, to Europe, through Europe, uh, tw- we visited 12 countries. That was not slow travel, which we'll get to eventually. Um, <laughs> but, but it was, it was my first blitz trip. And I was just like, this is what I want to be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I want to be doing, but I hadn't felt it strongly enough until my grandma died a few months later where I was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're not working ourselves into the ground anymore. So I had already been looking for jobs. And my mom, who lived really close to the Apache reservation said, Hey, there's actually a few teaching jobs out here. 
And I said, teaching, how hard can that be? That sounds easy and fun, <laughs> right? Um, but, but to be fair, to be fair, the community center job that I had, I worked with education. I work with teachers. I work with students. I worked in summer camps for years. So I had some idea, but I like the fun, right? I like right. the fun. I like the non-traditional learning. And so going into a classroom and then being on the reservation, I think it was just a lot of the time, but travel ended up being an escape for me. And mm. it was something again, still on the periphery that I, I knew was going to be important. So it kind of scratched the itch of wanting to do something different of, you know, quitting your job to travel the world. I couldn't do that. Okay. I was making okay money, but I was not like an engineer previously. Like we had bills. We still have bills, my husband and I. So that was not going to happen. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to connect with my family. I'm going to live on the reservation. Oh, housing. My housing is only $350 a month. So that was another big reason because in Phoenix, we were paying like, well, not so not bad. That was actually before housing costs blew up. We were paying like six or $700 a month for condo. So $350 for a three bedroom house y'all on the reservation nice. plus teaching on the res, you get make more money. And I was closer to my family and the time off. I, I mean, I know te- it's a controversial thing, but I had more time off as a teacher than I did working for the nonprofit. And I was only working like 45 hours a week. So compared to my 80 plus, that was a huge godsend for me. And I traveled literally every break that I got. So that's what made me want to go teach on the res. And then also, yeah, so the money combined with the benefits combined with being close to my family and then just the priority shift in my life. And that really kind of sounds like, well, what I'm hearing anyway, it's almost like there was an ancestral draw for you to be there. You know, it's like your ancestors are saying, okay, it's time now for you to learn the other part of your family. So I think that part is pretty cool and really like it kind of, that part touches me, you know, because our ancestors do call to us and it's just, how do we hear them? And so it sounds like you picked up the call and you went with it. I so, love that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I well, I totally interrupted you when you were telling your story <laughs> and you kind of went left a little. So please continue. So I was just going to say, it's funny you say that because when I talk about it being on the periphery now, every tribe is different, right? Every tribe has their own, like, like a, like religion origin story. Although ironically, they're very similar if you start looking at it, which is interesting, right? But if you, if you just look at like my life, when I was really looking back at that point, I had grown up going to powwows with my grandma. That was very normal to me. I didn't know other people didn't do that, right? So I actually did have more exposure than I even thought I had, mm. but I, I thought that was just normal. I was like, oh, I want I want to know more because I, I still felt like an outsider being there. Um, I actually lived right next to reservation. So at the place where I grew up, one side of the highway is trailer parks and poor people. That's where I was. And then the other side was the reservation for the Torres Martinez tribe. So different band, but those kids went to school with us. So again, Mm. I thought that was normal, but apparently not most people in the United States have that. So that's so interesting when you say ancestors calling, because it was literally like I had all these clues. And then when I was a kid, this is kind of, this is really wild. When I was a kid, I couldn't go to sleep unless there was a Native American flute music playing, which Uh is just so, was so weird, but I didn't realize like my grandma would play that to help me go to sleep. Cause when I was a baby, that's what would help. So Uh yeah, it's all over, all over my story. That is so cool. And going to powwows y'all, that's a thing. I love going to powwows. I mean, I really do. They are so fun to me. Um, I go whenever 
like whatever chance I get, if they're in the area where I am and I don't have to go way too far, then I'll go. And the thing that I love with that is I'm always accepted. You know, nobody ever looks at me cross-eyed or whatever. They're just like, okay, well, she's here. So she belongs here. (laughs) And, and that's that, you know, and I just really enjoy them. And so now that things are opening back up, I'm hoping to go to one because I want to get because I do sound healing and sound baths and stuff like that. And I want to get my drum. I have to get the drum. So having said that, I'm going to let you keep going. <laughs> That's totally okay. I, I mean, it actually kind of ties in really well with what we were talking about before. If you feel like you can't move up, up move abroad or even up and move to a reservation, there are opportunities all around you. You know, like one thing I encourage people to do is go and look at a map of what we now call the United States and look at where you see ancestral tribal lands. You might be surprised at how close there is a reservation to you. Or if you're on the East Coast, I know it's a little harder because the land is more compacted where there are remnants of that. And if you just go a little bit off the beaten track and you're willing to kind of slow down or even think, what am I missing? Like on my commute to work or to school, if you're a student or something like, what am, what am I not really looking at? Cause you tune out so much every day and you might be surprised. Like maybe there's a powwow near you that you can go to and that you can, it's literally a whole other world that's happening you know, parallel to you. I think that would be really cool for you to do. And uh, one thing I also encourage people to do is like, after they look at a map, the next road trip you go on, you can go on a site actually like Atlas Obscura. I love that website. They do a really good job of adding in things you maybe wouldn't think to go look at. Mm -hmm. And you can even just on the main road that you're on the interstate, what can you pull off and look at? You know, can you, can you add in culture and history into what you're seeing, right? Not just going sightseeing in the city, but like, what can you see on the way there? Mm -hmm. I think that really, that really just shows you like a more holistic view, I think of, of where you live and, and what's around you when you travel somewhere. And that is such a good idea because the thing is, I, I will drive, but I'm not really the big fan of driving. I'm a big fan of being a passenger. So. So usually when I'm driving is I'm on a mission. I'm going from point A to point B in the least amount of time as possible. But I do like the idea of actually stopping and stopping along the way to see something. Because I know when I do drive, I'm just so focused on the road and who's around me and all that other stuff that there are things that I miss. Because... You know, and it's just like in our daily lives, because we're so focused on, I got to go to, I got to go to work. I got to go here. I got to go there. And it's like, what are you missing along the way? You know, I just, um, and again, I'm going left, but it came to mind. I was just reading this article today about a social experiment they did with Joshua Bell, who is one of the world's best violinists. And they put him in Washington, D.C. in a subway and he was playing and people just kept rushing past him, rushing past him. And like by the end of the day, they said he made maybe thirty four dollars for the, you know, for the whole time he was out there. And a week before, people were paying a hundred plus dollars to sit and listen to him play. 
and they had him playing right there for free. But because everybody was on a mission and just passing by and passing by, nobody except the kids, the kids paid attention, but the parents pulled them on because, you know, we got somewhere to be. And that is just such a microcosm of how we treat our lives. You know, we spend so much time just doing and not enough time being and not enough time like figuring out why are we doing the things that we're doing and what are we missing along the way? And am I living the life I actually want to be living or am I just busy living a life? A hundred percent. Like I just, I, you couldn't hear me because I muted myself, but I was just nodding on saying, yes, yes. That's exactly the point I got to. Like when my grandma had passed away, I said, well, I'm obviously, I'm not even making, like some people say they make like a six figure corporate salary. I wasn't even making that much. I was making like 65,000 a year. I was not making enough for the hours, the amount of hours I was working. So it does get to a point where you kind of have to decide enough is enough. This is how I want my life to look like. I'm going to make an active decision to pursue that. But what I like to tell people is you don't have to make it so big and drastic. You know, like I think there are some things that just work well for headlines in social media videos, right? Like it sounds fun to say, (laughs) I quit my job to travel the world. And that's interesting. So even if that's not something you really want, sometimes you almost feel like you want it or like you should want that because it's so appealing and intriguing. Right. But if you actually take the time to sit and be like, well, actually, what do I want? And for me, yes, I want travel and adventure. And we can talk about that too and how I integrate that and balance both. But I really wanted a home base. And that was even something that I was missing when I was on the reservation. And when I was in Phoenix, I didn't realize it, right? Like I was craving, I was craving my grandma, of course, I had lost her, but I was also craving home, you know, being Mm. in a place that, that was mine, that I felt completely myself, because then you have that safety where you can kind of go out and adventure again. It's kind of like, you know, the segue in the sailing, it's kind of like being in a Harbor or a Bay where you have like less wind, less interference. It's more calm because it gives you the rest and the supplies that you need to be able to equip you to go out and adventure again, right? Because you really have somewhere to come back to. So for me, having a home base and then having the adventures from there, I think it's a lot more attainable. And I think it is just as good, if not better. It just doesn't sound as sexy, maybe. But if you're the person, (laughs) if you're the person you're like, I can't quit my job to travel the world, or maybe you will do that in the future, And you're just not going to do it right now. Maybe you want to transition into something else before that, you know, like you can just think, is there something I can do? Can I take three weeks off? Can I work fewer hours and spend a little more time adventuring every week? Can you build adventure into your day? Can you just choose like maybe even to go a different path to work every day? That's a workout for your brain, right? You'll see something different. So I think even doing things like that will really um, help you just reevaluate things. What's important to you. So let's say that we are traveling and we go off the beaten trail and we find ourselves on tribal land. How do you respectfully travel on tribal land? Like, Are there, is there an etiquette or things that we should know or, or just or? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Some things, some things are basic, but I always say them because if no one's told you, then you wouldn't know. Right. So with you, with tribal lands and any kind of reservation, it's often very rural. So they don't have often the same services that you would maybe on, uh, on a freeway or in a state park or a national park or something like that. So one thing to be aware of is the leave no trace method. So if you're going to be bringing like doing a picnic or anything, make sure you have a way to pack out your trash because there's likely not going to be a trash can. And it's like insult to injury when you go onto a place where there, where there's already a lot of animosity between outsiders, possibly depending on the tribe, like the history of outsiders coming onto land and then leaving it trashy. We don't want to do that. Right. So definitely like Mm -hmm. we want to make sure we don't leave trash there. Uh, Number two, if you can learn a little bit about the culture before you go or the history, I think that would be not only good for you to interact with people there, but just good for you, right? That to know the history of the land. I feel like even sometimes you go in the land, there's a vibe there. You're like, Ooh, something happened here. Like I can just sense it. Um, yeah. So I feel like that, that can really affect you and, and where you are. And if you can support indigenous, uh, indigenous business owners, I think is one really great way that you can travel respectfully. If you can buy from them and not just buy things that are made to kind of pander to people who are going to reservation. One example of this. So when you're driving in Arizona, if you're ever on internet or interstate 40, mm-hmm. it's part of route 66. A lot of people will go there because they have these beautiful buttes in the desert scene. They have painted the desert and all this stuff. They have these trading posts and the items that they sell at some of these trading posts are not true trading posts. They're like commodified and commercialized. And so you're getting pottery or you're getting blankets that aren't actually made by the Navajo nation where it's located. They're actually like designs that were maybe loosely based on Navajo and they were Mm. actually assembled in China and then mass produced and then sold over here. And so the money may or may not be going to actual Navajo creators and silversmiths and craftsmen who create amazing work and designs. And then on top of that, you're also not getting a better product, right? So when you're getting like Navajo made wool, they put time and effort and care into that. They spend years refining that craft. So it's a little disrespectful to go and then buy like a $6 blanket. That's not even really a Navajo blanket, right? Like they're just profiting off that design. So if you can buy from indigenous business owner, if you can, yeah, look up and it does take a little more work, but you can even ask around and say like, Hey, is there someone selling them here? Because typically small business owners don't have the budget for marketing or to have a big sign. Right. But if you ask around, you can find you know, usually a, a grandma or an auntie who's making really good fry bread that won't be well marketed. Ugh. It's going to have a sign. <laughs> it's going to have a sign in Sharpie. You know, it's going to be on the side of the road, but that will be the best food. And you'll see they're making also they'll have crafted beaters, really well, um, really good designs for beads and earrings and jewelry. If you like that, you just have to look a little bit harder and be willing to do that. And also I think even just being inquisitive and curious in a really respectful way, when you meet someone for the first time, you're probably not going to ask about any kind of big historically traumatic event, right? Because you're just meeting them for the first time. So let them kind of lead the conversation as well. Like I know one big question I hear people ask is, do we say indigenous or Indian or native, or do we say their tribal name? I I always let them lead with that, right? Because when we're talking, it's just Brittany and then whoever their first name is until right. I hear them say something. And then I know, okay, this person wants to be that doesn't like Indian or they don't like native, you know, it's, it's cool. I, I follow their lead. So those are some practical tips. And then also, I think just always being aware of where you are. So again, just like pulling out Google and, and looking at like, where am I right now? And then who's lived here for literally tens of thousands of years. 
And that that is pretty cool. And then, and the other thing too that I want to bring up because I I know that you're an international traveler, and we'll get to that in a minute. So a lot of places where we go, they do have indigenous people there. So the same thing holds true. So even if you're not on a reservation, even you know, but check to see are you on sacred land? Check to see are there indigenous business owners? Because those are the people, if you're there in their country, those are the people who you want to also support, help them make a living, help. And because I remember when I went to New Zealand and it was so cool because they're trying to keep all the traditions alive, right? So they're teaching the kids. So when you go to their store and you purchase something, that's helping the next generation too. So I think that's really important. Very, very true. So I know we haven't really talked about the group trips yet, but I just want to mention one thing, just to make me think of it. A lot of times these things are hard to find, but then once you find them, they're amazing, right? So if you know the right people to follow online, or if you kind of search the right terms, you can usually find if someone else has done that work for you. And by the way, you can come follow me. I'm always looking for that stuff for you guys. Okay, so, to... so go ahead and tell us where to follow you <laughs> since you yeah. brought it up. <laughs> yeah. So my website is teachblogtravel.com or on Instagram, teachblogtravel. I was just traveling for two months, so I wasn't posting a lot there, but others will be a lot coming because I recorded a ton. But I just think of like one example that you're mentioning. So we were in Croatia last summer doing a sailing trip and I, I, I get to work with the best people that find people either. If I'm not finding them, they find them for me. We went to uh, this place called Chivinique, which does not get as much love as some of the other places, but it's beautiful in its own right worth visiting. And you actually, when you're on a boat, you get to go around this like city wall and then you get to, to kind of park the boat inside. And there's this oyster stand in the middle of the sea that, wow. you, that you would never literally it's literally like a pillar and a shack on top and they have like their fishing nets and all that around it so the only people who know about it are fishermen right fishermen or people who are coming they have their own private boats which by the way i just want to set the tone here we're not millionaires right so the boats we rent are like sailing boats for like five or six thousand euro which isn't a lot if you share it with your friends you can like share it all together right so we go in with a group of people, we split the cost. So it's really affordable. And then we get to have these really cool experiences and access that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And the thing is, it might be really easy to say, well, why don't they just open up like a restaurant or something, but that's not what they want to do. And that's not their specialty. They're fishermen, right? Right. They don't want to be restaurateurs. They don't want to be food truck owners, right? They want to hang out in the sea that they love that their family has been for generations and generations and they want to sell you the best oysters literally they shuck them for you you get them out of the water they give you a bucket if you want they they'll help you shuck them and oh wow they're the best they're the best and they will even like throw if they go if they're going through and they can tell one's not good they won't sell it to you they'll pull it out like there there's so much pride in the work and what they do and i think that that is one of the best things that we can do as travelers to support uh, places we're going because even supporting can be kind of in a way like come off as patronizing or something, but these are professionals. And so pay them for their professional services, their expertise, and the fact that they're also from the land and supporting that and working with the land. They're not overfishing. Those are things to think about too. So yeah, so much to say about that. Well, I think that's a great segue. We were going to wait until later, but let's talk about the boats. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I know you were just in, you, you did a whole boat thing in Greece, which was so intriguing to me. So I totally want to hear about that. But it sounds like you go to a lot of different places. So let's go. Let's talk about that for a bit. Yeah, sure. So is are there any questions that you want to want me to answer first or you want me to just kind of tell you about what I've been doing? Yeah, just go with it. <laughs> okay. So 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 random. I feel like as many things are in my life, I just happen to come across them or just they're pushed to my awareness and I just go for them. So in my community, I have a community of about 4,000 teachers who love to travel, right? Like it makes sense. I started this at the same time as teaching, so we were sharing about our trips and things. And one person I happened to run across, he's like, Hey, I live in Europe and I'm actually a skipper. I, you know, I captain sailboats and things. So I usually get really good local rates because I'm here. He's like, and I'm also a teacher. So I teach during the school year. And then during the summer, I take groups and and we sail around. And I was like, perfect. Let's work together. I'll do all the online marketing, blogging stuff. And then you can do that. And so it literally just tried. We we did one uh, summer in 20, actually our first one was supposed to be 2020. You can guess what happened. That one didn't happen. <laughs> so then we fast forward it 2021. We had a couple people go really, really small group. We were testing out and they loved it. In fact, one girl loved it so much that she ended up running a trip for me the next summer, which oh, is pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Nice. So, so then last summer, so first I was like, I'll just try one. I'll, I'll try to sell out one week and see if we can do that. Right. So I said, who wants to come sailing with me in Croatia? It's going to be really fun. And it filled up in like a week. And I was like, oh, okay. Nice. There's demand. Cool. So let's, let's see if I can be in Croatia even longer. So then I was like, all right, we open up another week. That one filled up really quickly. I said, great. So let's fill up another week and another week. And so we had four weeks in Croatia, which was so cool. And what I really loved is we actually got to have other teachers lead the trips too. So that one girl that went for me to kind of scout the location, she actually got to host the trip for me. And then her daughter was the other host the other week. So that was fun. So I got to spend two weeks there and then I got to help two other teachers get a free trip there, which was really cool. Um, so I loved that. And it literally just, that's, that's kind of how it started. We said, we want to be able to explore places in a respectful way. We want to be able to see what other tourists don't see because, you know, in a place like Croatia, we can forget that it's kind of a new country in the way it is now, right? Like the, they had a war in the nineties, which you can still see evidence of in certain places. Same thing mm. if you go to Bosnia, uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina. So you want to be mindful that the infrastructure there isn't like going to Germany or France. And that's right. why a lot of people haven't been going until recently, mm-hmm. but with something like a boat, you can go to these beautiful old villages that still are kind of untouched by time. And you get these experiences that others don't have. And because I serve teachers, who typically don't make a lot of money and typically have experiences like that. It's just, it's really rewarding for me. So during the summer and also we'll be adding in school break trips soon during the year, that's what I'm doing. I'm hosting trips or I'm helping them organize their own trips as like a travel agent, do that work too. So that's what I do there. And uh, yeah, and internationally, I've been doing Croatia this year. We tested out Croatia. I had one group go for one week in Croatia. And then we also did three weeks in Greece because the teachers asked for it. That was amazing. I'm I'm still recovering because we were literally going full time the whole time. Um, but that was really really cool. We got to go to a lot of ancient sites. We went to this one temple uh, on this island. Nobody else was there, and it wow. was built in 530 BC. Like, just incredible. Most of it's still standing. I was like, I can't believe no one's coming here. But because it's harder to get to, it's not a, a cruise. People don't go there. Mm, there's no infrastructure you know? for the huge cruise ship. Yeah. Yeah. So that wow. was really, really incredible. Actually, if you go to like my Facebook profile, you'll see the picture I have on there is from the, it's 
literally stunning. I, I mean, like we had, actually, I think that week we had one other person there, but the first time I went, nobody. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And I just felt so lucky. I still feel very lucky and privileged. And if I can share that with other people and still keep it to where other people can have that experience and that it's not getting inundated. Like I don't want the cruise people to find it. Right. I love, love the cruise people don't want them to go there. Um, so, (laughs) so yeah. So sharing those experiences with people, um, and, and having teachers kind of democratizing travel and making it so that people can access those experiences, I think is really important to me because it shouldn't just be for the super rich, right? Like everybody should be able to have that. I, so I completely agree with you and I'm, I am so feeling your vibe right now because you guys, you can't see her face, but she is like so excited and you can just see the glow. (laughs) I just think that's so amazing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I know I'm like singing, like, am I talking too much? I'm like, she's got to let me know when to stop because I will just keep gushing and gushing. I literally love this stuff. And I literally, when when I look at like my, my to-do list for today and I compare it to a year ago, being in the classroom during the pandemic stuff, right? Like that was wild in itself. And I'm just like, wow, I get to do this, but it's a combination of, I get to do this, but I also made the conscious decision of how I wanted my life to look and have taken steps and done this work over, you know, years since 2018 to be able to get to the point. So yeah, I I just feel really grateful. Did you have any other questions or anything you wanted me to go back to or elaborate on? I do have other questions, but the one thing I wanted to interject and that I really love about listening to you is, so my company is called Create Life Your Way. And when I'm coaching, it really is about how do you want your life to look? You know, look at the life you're living now and are you feeling like you're waking up every morning thinking, oh my God, there's got to be more to life than this? You know, and do you want to wake up every morning going, oh, shit, this is my life, <laughs> you know? And so that is really what I want to be able to help women with. And you're there and you're such a nice shining example of how this can work because you consciously looked at how you wanted your life to be. And again, going back to what we spoke about earlier, it's so easy to let life take over instead of you living your life. It's almost life is living you. And so just to be able to find people who can encourage and inspire others is one of the reasons why I do this because I love, well, I love talking to people anyway, but (laughs) it's great to talk to inspiring people because people I know could be listening who they don't even have a passport yet, but realizing that you really don't have to go international because there's so much stuff around here that you can do if you're, you know, you're just willing to put in a little effort or call a travel agent, <laughs> you know, cause I do that too. Uh, cause I love to travel. So that just seemed like a logical step, right? But there's something that you brought up not in this particular conversation, but I saw on a post about slow travel. And yes, notice how I slowed that down for the fact. So I want to know what is slow travel? 
Yeah. Well, slow travel is the opposite of what I was doing this summer for sure. Because when I'm hosting, when I'm hosting a group and also how I travel solo is very differently than when I travel with other people, because there is this pressure and I'm sure you felt it. If you're listening that when you go somewhere, you have to see all the things and you have to tick it all off and you have to fill up your day. And it almost becomes stressful. Like even as I'm hearing it and thinking about it, I'm like, I feel hairy because I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to do this. So I got to get up at seven and then I can't, I have to go party at night. Right. So I got to stay up late too. And then you don't sleep and then your mood's affected by that. So slow travel is the opposite of that. So when I'm traveling by myself, so after I did these three beautiful weeks in the Greek islands, which I know my teachers wanted, love my community, and they do want to travel fast because they do they honestly do live in a lot of scarcity. And I think we have to have compassion with people where they're at and think, okay, you do have so much money. I do want to make sure that you get your money's worth, right? So mm-hmm. we embed the things they want to go. They want to go to Santorini. They want to go to Mykonos. We give them that. We also give them some smaller islands so they can have an experience. But then after that, like for me personally, I also need time to recharge and literally slow my brain down and, you know, wake up when my body wants to wake up and give myself the freedom to go look at things. So when I went to Northern Greece, for example, just to give an illustration of this, I did not plan anything on those Mm. days Uh, for five days, except for the transportation, right? Had to have my bus tickets, had to have my plane tickets, but I just gave myself the time to think, what do I want to do today? And to not judge it. So Mm -hmm. if it's a sleep in day, If it's a go hiking and then eat a huge dinner day, great. If it's a, just a foodie day, I actually spent like four hours just sitting at a cafe, staring at the Meteora mountain because it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and I think just enjoying, and again, thinking and pondering those things, like, is this, you know, kind of assessing your life? Is this where I want to be? Do I want to tune it a little bit? What do I need? What is my body saying? Right. And so I think that slow travel is giving yourself the opportunity to just, experience travel for travel's sake and a destination for its sake, instead of having to turn it into a tick list or a to-do list, because it's, to me, it can make it really stressful. So that's what I think of when I say slow travel. And I will say it is hard. It does take intention and you have to kind of decide that's what the trip is going to be, because it is really easy to just be like, oh, how much more can I squeeze in? Right. Uh, Yeah. Especially as I would say, as Americans, we have, it's culturally, I've noticed when we're in Europe, we go stressed out. You go to somewhere like Greece or Italy, they'll chill you out real quick and they'll say like, no rush, it's okay. And then you just literally feel yourself calm down. Right. Well, I know for me, one of the reasons why I want to see everything when I go to a place, because the world is so incredibly huge, right? So I don't know when I'm going to go back to this one spot because there's like a gazillion other spots for me to go to. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I wanted to just see everything here or as much as I can here, because I don't know if I'm going to come back here. So I want to make the most of here, wherever here happens to be at the time, because my next trip, I'm going to be there. (laughs) But I really do respect the slow travel part of it. So I think it, it could be cool to incorporate both. So you have X amount of time and you get to see the things, whatever the things are, but then you incorporate maybe two, three days of just whatever it's going to be what it is. And I know because I am a planner, I like to plan. So um, I also have some people who like to just go with the flow. 
And for me to go with the flow is a little bit more difficult because sometimes that stresses me out because I don't know what's coming next. Because again, I like to plan stuff. But I think being intentional about going with the flow, being intentional about, you know, let's do what my body says. Listen to my body. Do I need more sleep today? Do I really need to do a thing today? I think that's important too, because, you know, if you come home and you really need a vacation from your vacation, yeah, and that, you can build that in too, though. I mean, don't get it twisted. You can definitely build that in. Just make sure that on the back end of your vacation, you take, you know, an additional two, three, four days off so you can recover if you have, you know, jet lag or just so that you can slow yourself down so that you can ease yourself back into your normal routine. Because I know sometimes it's a real big shock. It's like, okay, vacation's done, got to go back to work. And, you know, that's like a shock to the system. That's almost like, you know, you're laying in bed and somebody comes and throws cold water on you. (laughs) That is such a good description. Literally just the other day, I was going through my phone, going through photos and videos that I took this summer. And there was a whole line of photos and videos. And I was like, where was that? I I was literally like trying to figure out the time where I was because we were moving at such a breakneck pace for like three of the days of sailing because we were trying to figure out, because when you're sailing, you're literally at the mercy of the wind, right? So sometimes Mm. you have to change course or whatever. So there were like three days where I'm like, I don't know where I was. And isn't that a weird feeling to like not remember where you were? I'm like, it was obviously impactful enough for me to take a picture and photos of this place I was at but I could not recollect. And it was because I was getting so much information. You know what I mean? Like you're getting so much stimulus, right? You're right, right. waking up early. You're doing all these things. You're, you're hanging out, you're having drinks, you're having a good time, going to bed late. And I was just like, oh my gosh, the fact that I can't remember where I was just shows like how much I needed to slow <laughs> down and take a break. And then I fi- eventually figured it out. But I think like if, yeah, it depends on what you need and what you're wanting. Cause maybe you are craving adventure. And you're like, I only have five days. Let's go. Okay. Then I get it. Like you got to go and use those five days. But I think that one of the reasons, well, two reasons, one of the reasons I think that slow travel can be so transformative is one, we usually only want to see what we have exposure to, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, the reason that you're drawn to a place often that, you know, that we know is because of social media or the traditional media, like a news article, or maybe a movie or something like the reason that people love Paris often is because like even the show, Emily in Paris, after the show, Emily in Paris launched on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's hilarious. After it launched, (laughs) like searches for Paris travel went up like 400% because people were now exposed to this. right? Right. Um, or even like Midnight in Paris, that movie, people love it and they want to go have their Midnight in Paris experience. So we're exposed to these things and we want to see like Paris. What do you think of when you go to want to go to Paris? The Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower. <laughs> of course. Of course. My sister and I went to the Eiffel Tower and we literally looked up and we're like, is that it? And it was cool, but it was like, wow, we just walked for 20 minutes for that. And then we went and did something else. But it's just funny because you feel like you have to go. You feel this pressure of like should, right? right? So I think that's one thing is like, you can almost put this pressure and I'm part of that. I'm a content creator. So I'm always thinking, 
I don't want to add to the shoulds, right? So I try to always tell people, hey, if you like this, you might like this, but don't feel pressured because there's a million other things to do in this place right. that you might love. And when you get there, ask around, maybe you'll like something else. So I have to be mindful of that too. And then another thing that you mentioned I thought was really interesting and you're a coach, so I'm going to go there. Um, you said that you like to plan because if you, if you don't have a plan that makes you feel maybe a little anxious or a little stressed out, I also think it's because a lot of people and maybe not you because you are a coach, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable with their own thoughts. If oh. there's not a whole bunch of stimulus, oh, what am no. I going to think about? What no, am I going to do? Part. I get that. I yeah. totally get that for a lot of people, but especially, well, I, I always, I've always enjoyed my own company and I spend a ton of time in my head. So go there, right? <laughs> so actually that is not one of the things because I can spend a lot of time with my thoughts, but at the same time, I think it's just trying to do time management and how do I, how do I efficiently do the things in the time allotted as opposed to just drifting. But again, I think what it is is some of the drifters that I know, they aren't conscious drifters. They're just drifters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is an interesting thought. I think also part of it, because I said I, I travel when I'm by myself, I travel differently than with other people. Right. And then I also travel differently now than when I took that first trip in 2016 or first big trip. Right. So when I took that big first trip, I was like, all right, I got three and a half weeks. I don't know when they're going to give me time off again. I got to make the most of it. Right. Put that quotes, make the most of it. Yeah. And we we're going so hard. We landed 15 hours later. We were doing this tour across the country in Norway. I was so tired. I was asleep for half of the train ride, this beautiful oh. train ride. I fell asleep because I was tired, right? Because I didn't really sleep the day before. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but I also, I'm still glad I did it because what I did get to see was really beautiful. And I was with my sister. So we had a great time. Like we were, we were bonding, right? So I think that that's, that's part of it is like, like what kind of trip is it? How much experience do you have? And also once you have more experience with logistics, then you can give yourself more leeway because you're like, Oh, if I don't get this bus, I'll just get another, another one. Like I trust myself with the skill. I can go figure it out. Right. So if you're maybe a more anxious traveler or like how you said, you don't like driving. I totally get that. I will never drive abroad. That freaks me out. So (laughs) what I do is I, if there's something I really want to see, like I went to Slovenia last summer and I really wanted to go up into the uh, Slovenian Alps, like where Slovenia meets uh, Austria and Italy. Mm -hmm. But I was like, that's going to be too intense for me to do on my own. I want to be with someone who knows where they're going and knows the trails and stuff. So I booked a day tour and that was awesome. I just had to be at a certain place, like two minutes from my hotel. I went and met up with the crew. They picked me up in the van. We went and had a great day. It was a long day. It was a busy day, but I'm really glad I did that because I I paid $120 and I didn't have to worry about anything. This girl had my back. I knew where I was going. I felt super safe. If I had gone my own, it would, I would have had more freedom maybe, but then I would have been trying to like, look at my maps and then like, Oh, am I, am I, figuring out the signs. Do I know where I'm going? And that would have stressed me out personally. So you kind of also have to know yourself and think like, what is going to be the best option for me? And if you have a couple of things you really want to see, plan out the day tours in advance or have a travel agent book them or whatever. And then, you know, like that's also going to soothe the side of you who like, I feel like I could get everything. And then you can book yourself a spa day. I I call them my spa days, even if I'm just like laying in bed, but you know what I mean? Like my days where I just do nothing. So you, you can, put that in your schedule. If that makes you feel like more secure. And that's anyone who's listening. Who's like, I kind of want to try that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, totally. Because for the 
people who are planners, you're still planning. You're just planning rest or you're planning, (laughs) you know? So from that point of view, totally. And like that, when you said you don't like driving overseas, that just brings me to like a really kind of funny story. When I was in, when I was in New Zealand, I went to North Island, I rented a car and of course they drive on the opposite side of the street. So I'm driving. And of course this was before everybody had GPS and the smartphones and all that. So I got, I have my directions and I'm driving and I come to a roundabout and I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to follow the guy in front of me and I hope he's going where I'm going. And that's what I did. And luckily he was going where I was going because I was so confused because the roundabouts themselves are confusing to me. Plus I'm on the opposite side of the street and I was like, oh, but anyway, yeah. I don't like, I don't definitely don't like driving in other countries. So if I can get a driver or take a tour or walk or find public transportation, it's on. <laughs> it is on. So I know that we've talked about like a lot of stuff and we've, it's kind of just all over the place. And I love that. <laughs> but tell us one more time where people can find you, all the places that they can find you if they want to follow you or see the beautiful pictures that you took for this summer. Definitely. So, and thank you again for the opportunity and for allowing me to share with your audience. I hope if you're listening that you felt like it was worth your time. So you can find me on Instagram over at teachblogtravel website, same thing, teachblogtravel.com. I'm also on Facebook. Like it's literally just a personal profile. You'll see a ton of stuff there if you follow me there. And I, I don't even know if follow is the right word. I, I know the people who look at my posts very intimately. I will know you and your partner and your pets and your kids if you are connecting with me over there. So I don't know if you're ready for that, but you can come to my friend over there. Um, or if you just want to read and learn, then the website's a great place for you to go. My articles are beefy. They're like five to 6,000 words. So you will leave learning something. Oh, if you're okay. interested, yeah. If you're interested in learning about uh, traveling on the reservation, or maybe you do want to teach there, it's a fun adventure. You can go check that out. I also have, uh, by the time this comes out, we'll see if I have it ready then. I'm also working on a list of uh, Native American owned businesses, like on indigenous lands throughout the United States of like some places I've gone to or have that come highly recommended. So if you happen to be driving through those places, then you can go give them a shout out because they're usually not getting the marketing and advertising love that other businesses do. So hopefully this list will help them and, and help you to know where to go to get the best food and the coolest jewelry and all that Jess. That sounds great. So I see that there, you guys, y'all can't see it, but she has a suitcase. <laughs> right behind her. So where is your next adventure? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I also do plan spontaneous trips. So I don't, I might book something else before then, but I do have in October, I'm actually speaking. This is exciting. I'm speaking my first paid speaking gig ah, at the travel blogging summit in Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm going to be teaching travel bloggers, how they can travel with their communities. I'm super excited about that. So so that'll Yeah. Thank you. So I'll be in Nashville. So that'll be a domestic trip. And then I'm thinking, oh, and I also have, so this is another place. If you don't have a passport and you're like, where can I go? I want a Caribbean vacation. You can go to Puerto Rico. It's a U.S. territory. You don't need a passport to go. Um, And I'll be doing a retreat for some other people in my audience. Um, 
I haven't nailed down the dates yet, but sometime in March or April. So maybe by this time it comes out, so you can just follow me and you'll find out about that. If you're interested in that, um, really good for people who maybe they're scared to travel by themselves. So they want to travel by themselves, but also with other people so that they have the flexibility and then also security. So that's what that's for. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Okay, guys. So we will have to stay tuned for this. So we'll all follow along either on Instagram or Facebook. We're going to check out that website so that we know what's happening next. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. I love your vibe. I love what you're doing. And yeah, I just... I just have like such a good feeling about just knowing that you're inspiring somebody right now by living your life on purpose and just consciously creating what you're doing. So thank you. Well, thank you. That makes my day. And and that's my hope. My hope is that if I can I mean, even inspire one person, it's worth it. You don't have to go move abroad to have a transformative experience. You know, you can travel wherever you are. So thank you again for having me. You're so welcome and talk to you soon. Bye.